Hey, sis! From coast to coast, we're bridging the gap between the cisgender and transgender community, creating meaningful dialogue and space to learn and grow. Join us as we connect with our community, break down tough conversations, and get comfortable being better humans. Welcome to Hey Sis. My name is Isaac Cook. I use they, he pronouns, and I'm a trans, queer, Nova Scotian. Hi, my name is Sin Sweeney. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a fierce ally, parent of a trans kid. So today's episode takes us to the beautiful South Shore of Nova Scotia, where we are joined by Kate Lumpothin. Kate is a multi-award winning author of five picture books, including What? Cried Granny and Princesses Are Not Quitters. She lives in a Victorian house by the sea with a musician husband and a mischievous Airedale. In this May, Kate is going to be adding to her list of published children's books with a brand new publication on how to be an ally written with Dr. Frank Cilio. Frank also joins the conversation today, but from a little further afield and across the border from New Jersey. He is also an award-winning author and children's psychologist. Frank supports LGBTQ and gender-questioning children and was inspired to craft the story with Kate to bridge a gap in accessibility, child-friendly introductory stories about allyship. Welcome to Hey Sis, Kate and Frank. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's lovely to have you both here. So first off, let's start with you, Kate, perhaps. Could you share with us the title of the book that you and Frank are working on and perhaps a brief synopsis of the storyline? Well, sure. Um, Our book is, which is due out very soon, is called Pride and Joy. And that is not only a wonderful phrase, but also a play on names because it's about a little girl named Joy. And Joy loves her older brother, Noah, and is very distressed one day when she sees her brother and his boyfriend experience bullying. And like so many of us who've seen bullying or experienced bullying, it's a, it's a very distressing time for Joy. So she confides in her mom first, and together they come up with a plan by which Joy can help her brother. And uh, we wanted it to be a book that was largely about love and about positive, happy relationships and about how we can support people who belong to a community that we may not be a part of ourselves, but that we feel a very strong urge, wish, need to support. I love the title of the book. I, I'm really excited to to see the hard copy when it when it comes in print. Um, Frank, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about um, why the need for a children's story on on allyship, and why is this topic in particular so important to you? When I started thinking about a book, you know, I've been working with the LGBT plus community for over 28 years in my practice as a psychologist, and I often use books in my practice to broaden or broach a topic or help a child understand something that's maybe more abstract or something that they've never dealt with. And I did a literature review and saw like there was no books for kids on this topic. And I was thought, wow, I can't believe that there is nothing to help children and the adults in their lives foster allyship. And, you know, ally was like the number one word, I think, in the dictionary for 2021. And so I started thinking about this idea for a book. And lots of my ideas come from my patients and the need that I find in my clinical practice. And I said, you know, I'd like to write this book for kids to introduce this topic and how to explain allyship to kids. And, you know, Kate and I met in Nova Scotia, and I couldn't think of anyone better to write this book with than Kate given our background, given her background of writing books, we're hoping to really reach children 
to, one, decrease bullying. Because we know if we can have kids that are allies to other kids who are different from they are, whether it be their gender, their sexuality, their color of their skin, if they could be intersectional allies, we might decrease bullying in schools and in neighborhoods and and places like that. I'd love to hear, Kate, just furthering on what Frank said, why it's important to you. But I'm curious because so when we talk about about bullying and allyship with this book, as it's directed with children and that, uh, what about, you know, using homophobia or say transphobia and calling it kind of, would you say that that's what it is at that age? I mean, it's directed towards her brother because he has a boyfriend. Um, how important is it to you to make sure that those words are, are incorporated into the narrative? Well, Frank and I obviously gave a great deal of thought to terminology and to word choice, because when you're writing a picture book, you have to be very aware of the age of your readership, right? So what we ended up with is a story that isn't jargon heavy, but that more brings children gently and positively into the concepts we thought were important. And then at the end of the book, Frank has created some important, comprehensive pages, which parents and teachers, families can use as they see fit to introduce um, more specific words and concepts that might be part of the conversation. Because what we wanted to do, I think, was to create a book that could help families to have the kind of conversation they wanted to have about allyship and sort of as a primer or a starting point for them to introduce this idea to their kids, but not in a way that felt heavy handed. We were more interested in introducing the idea that allyship is a way of loving and taking care of other people. And it really is in some ways as simple as that. And obviously it leads to more complex concepts, but we didn't want to overload a picture book with those because if you do that, what you have is a child who gets up and wanders away. I really loved the kind of perspective that you, Kate and uh, Frank took on it, especially as a member of the community myself, because one of the most difficult parts when we talk about allyship is that a lot of times people think it's like confrontational or you can only address it when you see it happen in real life. But when you're able to kind of craft conversations with especially kids who, you know, Unfortunately, you you see these things happen to people that you love and care about, um, but you don't know necessarily how to handle or tackle the feelings that you have as you're witnessing someone go through this. Um, And that can be really confusing, especially for such young kids. So I think it's really important to have stories and messages to youth to say, you know, the way that you're feeling right now about what you're witnessing and experiencing is completely normal and valid. And here are some important steps and tools that you can use to help support yourselves in those feelings, but also support the individual, you know, going through those hardships. My other big question too, because as I mentioned, I, I love the perspective and the energy that the book took, not only in being educational, but intentional. Um, but something also that really struck me is that the story was written from the point of view of a sibling, a sister in particular. Was this a particular point that was intentional for you both? Did you go in saying, you know, we really want it to come from a sibling as opposed to, you know, a parent, a friend, a grandparent, etc.? I think it was clearly intentional, given it's a children's book, that we wanted it to be from the eyes of a child. Because this is a book on becoming, the subtitle is a story about becoming an LGBTQIA plus ally. And so we really wanted it to be through the eyes of a child. 
and witnessing some injustice or something happening to someone that they care about. And what is Joy's journey? Joy being the sibling and this young child of, okay, well, how do I do this? And and one of her friends says, well, I'm just a kid. What what could we do? You know, what can we do? How do we help? And, And we wanted to empower the reader and the child reading maybe with a parent or a caregiver to say, hey, I could do this at school, or maybe I could do this in my community. If we wrote it from the perspective of the parent or a teacher or some other adult, I don't know if it would have the same amount of impact on the child reading it. And so it was really important for Kate and I to be very careful about how did we want the the story to be? We didn't want it from the perspective of her brother being bullied. We didn't want it from the perspective of the parents hearing about their son being bullied. We wanted it to be, what is Joy's feelings? As she says in the story, my stomach started to rumble. I was half scared, half angry, you know, Mm -hmm. to kind of identify feelings that are engendered when you witness something that, you know, someone that you love and something that you feel passionate about, how might you respond to that? Yeah. I love that. I, Isaac and I, we talked a lot about that because like just from my perspective as, as a parent of three children and then from Isaac's perspective of being from within the community. And I think that feeling sometimes of that, you know, when you describe that rumbling in the tummy and, and that for me as a parent, I know, you know, when a child comes out or, or transitions, um, as so what happened within our family, it becomes this like different level journey for everybody. And you think that maybe the two siblings are going to react the same way, um, because, you know, you have this family unit, but they don't. And, and, and it's very unique. And there's a lot of internal stuff that happens sometimes where you feel that helplessness of you're trying to, understand how that does it change does it shift your relationship with with your sibling with your with your brother and what does that mean for you but then if you witness something awful happening to them outside how do you empower how do you do something and you really made it like she just wanted to help and she came up with a great idea and and you know and it goes from there and it kind of just makes it it does make it easy. You know, it makes it, it simplifies it in that love is, you know, love is love. And and no matter what, you know, you might be thinking from a family perspective or struggling with on your own journey, you still want to have, you're still going to have your siblings back. You're still going to be there for them. One of the things that we felt very strongly too in the book, and Kate, you can comment on this as well, is that, you know, she makes cookies to raise funds for the teen center that her brother and her his boyfriend, you know, are part of. And as she's making the cookies and she actually asks him, Noah, her brother, is it okay that we do this? Mm-hmm. So that, you know, she really wanted to be, we wanted to show sensitivity and and asking for consent. Are you okay with me doing this? And because if, if we, if you're not comfortable with it, we won't, and we, I won't do this. I won't sell the cookies to raise money. And no one in the story says, no, it's cool. You know, that's fine. You know, so, you know, Kate and I feel very strongly about that piece of it too, of respecting boundaries and teaching about asking how might they feel about something. Joy was dealing with her own feelings, but was sensitive to her brothers as well. I love that a lot. So often when we when we talk about bullying, homophobia, transphobia, things of that sort, a lot of youth don't feel empowered or they feel like they have to tell an adult and it's an adult issue to handle that. Obviously, in, in certain instances, there there is. Um, but there's also so much that, you know, siblings or friends of these individuals can do to help empower those people 
and make them feel more comfortable. One line in the story that really stood out to me um, that I, I kept talking with to Sin and Sin and I had the opportunity to kind of look through and read the the digital version. So I appreciate uh, both of you for sending that along to us. Uh, but uh, the quote was, I didn't feel like baking now. I just wanted to help my brother. And that just like really stood out to me because at the end of the day, like we just want to make everyone feel loved and cared for and supported. And, you know, she was very passionate about baking, but the biggest priority in that moment was, you know, she wanted to go and help her brother and then eventually was able to use her passion for baking to do something good. Um, so I, I loved that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. I think um, one thing Frank and I definitely want to mention today is how delighted we are by the artwork of our illustrator, um, Emmy Smith. She uh, lives in Amsterdam, so we haven't met her in person, but we've had lovely Zoom calls with her and so forth. But we feel that the warmth and just her color choices and the non-literal way that she depicts the children's emotions, especially what Joy goes through on her journey, it's contributed so much to the sense of love that I think pervades the entire book because our text gave Emmy some directions, obviously. For example, we talk about the fluctuating look on Noah's face. And what I like about that is that one of the ways that we can introduce children to the concept of empathy is to get them to notice the facial expressions that other people carry. So she notices Noah's sparkly smile and the things he typically says when he's happy, and then the faltering, saddened look on his face, and then the return of his real big smile at the end after her act of allyship. And through all of this, we felt like Emmy was just right beside us, wouldn't you say, Frank? And Absolutely. just love what she came up with. In children's, you know, in my experience, in my, you know, children's book writing, oftentimes publishers do not give you a collaborative relationship with the illustrator. And we were really fortunate to like work so closely with her because Kate and I felt like, you know, the words are important, but so are the pictures. It's not a picture book mm -hmm. without the pictures, right? So, Absolutely. you know, we were so wanting to represent diversity. We wanted the emotional tone to be there. We were really careful about, you know, just every aspect of every page and, and to Emmy's creative process, but also her, you know, who she is personally. She was so receptive to that. So that was a really wonderful experience for, for Kate and I. And for me, as you know, you know, and I know Kate, I've worked with many illustrators, but it was a really great experience to have that opportunity. Hey Sis is all about connecting communities and thanks to support from TD Bank Group, here is this episode's Connected Community Moment. In this episode's TD Connected Community Moment, we have a super fun giveaway happening for the month of May, and it's all about allyship. Allyship and inclusive actions, they can be small, but we know how they have powerful impacts that ripple outwards. In today's episode, we are talking all about allyship, but we're also hearing about rising acts of transphobia, xenophobia, homophobia, racism, and discrimination all around the world, particularly south of our border. Sadly, though, we don't have to go quite that far to find it with the act of hatred and violence, which occurred right here in our local area of Halifax at a high school in late April. A student took the school's pride flag, a flag that was signed by past student graduates from the LGBTQ2 plus high school GSA a flag that acted as a symbol of connectivity and hope to other young students coming up behind them. This particular student, they took that flag and they burned it. They weren't alone and, and it was deliberate. And in times like this, community and connectivity are 
more important than ever. So it's time to come together and shine a light on the love and support that exists across the queer community and also from allies all around us who want to show their support in one way or another, but perhaps they're not sure how. And we want to reward you for it. So on Hey Sis, throughout May, to highlight positive voices of allies within our community and to highlight LGBTQ2 plus people within our community, we would love to hear from you. And we're giving away a prize pack. So we're asking you to let us know, how are you going to be an ally? What does allyship mean to you? Answer one of those questions by telling us how you're going to be an ally or what does allyship mean to you? And you'll be entered in to win a Hastis prize pack. The prize pack is super cool. It includes one of our hot new black Hasis t-shirts on the back. It says building better humans. And it also co consists of a lush cosmetics bath bomb and some fun pins and stickers. And for complete contest details, please click the link in the show notes and it'll take you over so you can read all that fine print. This has been a Hasis and TD Bank Group Connected Communities moment because inclusion matters. I know, Frank, you'll be like using some of the book like to support children that you work with in your practice. Kate, what would your hopes be then for the book up here in Canada? How, how do you see it being used most effectively? Well, as we mentioned before, what Frank and I wanted to do was to create a sort of a primer on allyship for picture book aged children and their families. And what we would like to see happen anywhere the book's available would be that it would come into the hands of families, um, teachers, programs who wish to use it, who look through it and say, oh, yes, now this is a helpful piece of the puzzle. One of the things in my life that I think was particularly fortunate, I grew up in a family with a, a children psychologist for a mother. And one of the favorite aspects I had about growing up with her was that I could always talk to her about issues, things I saw out in the world, troubling things. Um, and she would talk to me in a respectful, honest way about why human beings sometimes behave the way that they do and what we can do about it when we see it, but always with the understanding that we can't always change the behavior of other human beings. And I think that for me, um, in helping Frank and working on the text with him, that was an important spirit to convey, that there are conversations that happen in families. Like Isaac was asking earlier, why, why a family? Why a sibling? Why not perhaps a friend even? And I think what was great about making it Noah's sibling that we were talking about was that we could talk about the family relationship, how it supports allyship, how it supports the child Joy's journey, how it supports Noah. Um, we don't actually see Noah and his mom have a chat about what happens, but there is a page when she thanks Joy for letting her know that it happened. So mm -hmm. we can assume that probably mom was also on the job in her own way, but we keep the focus on what Joy can do because it's a book for children. So yeah, for me, what I'd like to see, whether it's in Canada, the States or anywhere else in England, obviously, um, Jessica Kingsley, publisher, having uh, a British office, a British branch. And we're hoping that anywhere the book is available, it falls into the hands of families who wish to use it for their conversations going forward. We also just were being realistic. I think this book is not going to necessarily change the mind of anyone that sees it. But what it can do, and we hope will do, is be a helpful, effective, and loving, warm, supportive tool for people who are on this journey as Joy is. 
We've been doing some research in the states and other organizations that that will look for donations of books. Maybe they're giving them to schools. Maybe they're giving them free to schools, to libraries. There's several um, nonprofit organizations here in the States. They kind of have books, um, diverse books, to allow kids and, and parents to come and, and get these books for free. So we are looking into charities and, and different organizations to donate books to. Jessica Kingsley's committed to that. Kate and I are committed to that. To bring these books, because as we know, at least, you know, here in the States, you know, books are being banned. And so yeah. many children may not have access to this book. It brings up a lot of emotions for me, I'm sure for all of us on this podcast today about what's going on in our, in, at least here in the States and in other places of the world regarding book banning and, you know, laws that are being enacted as we speak against the community. Yeah, I wanted to dive into that because, of course, it's swirling in my mind right now, like how this book can be used to help support, you know, trans youth and all the pushback that is happening towards trans youth right now in the States. And and when it comes to trans youth, there is that polarization that's happening right now in the States. And I'd like to think that building allyship is about building good people that will have your back, irregardless of maybe you don't fully understand. Or in your home, it's a religious piece that you feel you can't get behind, but that you can still be a good person. I think, Sim, that you know, Noah is a gay male. I think that, you know, obviously it's one book. And I think that there's many conversations, as we've said from the beginning, about you know this concept of allyship, and I think that this is a book particularly that should be read with a caregiver, and I think that you can, as a parent, say you have a, a trans child or a bisexual child or however they identify. I think that the discussion can be after the book is read that we could say, well, you know, imagine if if Noah was trans, or imagine if. Whatever we're talking about, the concept of allyship, and I think that it's represented in, in certain pictures and flags, etc., in the book um, to try to be. We really tried to be inclusive of all kinds of flags and encourage parents to say, "Hey, what is this flag about?" or "What's this flag?" or hopefully a child will point to it and say, "What does this flag mean?" and hopefully the parent will be able to respond. But if they can't, they'll say, "Well, look it up." So I think that this mm-hmm. fosters a lot of conversation. Obviously, you know, there's always going to be someone who reads the books and says, oh, why didn't you try, why didn't you make, you know, Joy a boy? Or why didn't you make, you know, Noah trans? Or why didn't you make them this? <sighs> it's really hard when you're writing a 32-page children's book to yeah. kind of meet the needs of the community. And I think that we try to include as much as we could. But again, it's only 32 pages. And how do you, you know, make it so that you're not kind of ostracizing anyone. That's not certainly any author's, I think, intention. I think if we look at the concept of allyship and use this as a conduit to teach about what it is and, and what it isn't, et cetera, et cetera, it maybe doesn't even matter if the character was gay, trans, or whatever. Maybe it's like, you know, this is what we want to kind of convey here. It is probably worth noting that our illustrator did include a beautiful trans character who actually has one of the most important speeches in the book. It can't really be called a speech, perhaps it's a brief thing that this character says, but I adore the way that she drew this character. I I 
think of uh, her mentally as Josephine Baker because it's got that vibe and uh, winds up actually playing the trumpet magnificently for no particular reason except that she's playing the trumpet and I just I just love that I love Emmy's humor and the warmth that's conveyed in that I love the sort of burst of joy that comes at the end of the book the celebration and I think Isaac referred earlier to the fact that sometimes there can be a sense that allyship has to be an angry thing that it has to be a difficult and confrontational thing. And certainly that piece can be there more often than many of us would like. But what I love about this book is that really the teachings in it, I think, are something that I would like to think almost anybody could get behind regardless. It's it's dignity, it's respect, it's civility, it's treating other people by the golden rule the way that we would like to be treated. It really isn't too much different from that. And I really yeah. don't think that there should be anything particularly controversial about mm. this book. But as you're raising, yes, there probably are areas where it might be controversial. And if that is so, well, then <laughs> that is so. And I think that there are books that have been classics that are being controversial now, like The Wizard of Oz, and they're banning that book. So like, you know, I mean, I don't think it necessarily has to be a book for, you know, the LGBTQ plus community. I think if they're taking any book right now and kind of dissecting it and, and, and yeah. you know, saying it's inappropriate or whatever they're saying about it. If there is any controversy around it, it only illustrates the intense need for for books like this. Yeah. I know with The Pink Balloon, the book that I, I published uh, a year and a half ago, I always wonder whenever I do a reading because it, it talks you know, specifically about um, the young protagonist who is a young trans girl and, and talking about herself. I always wonder you know, um, when I go somewhere and I hear, oh, so-and-so was kept home from this camp today, I think, oh, you know, was that because... The book, I you know, I don't know. Well, I go in, I read, and kids love it. And you just have to keep just getting it out there and, and talking about it. And one of the things that I did, and I'm wondering if you'll do, is maybe like some lesson plans or guides for teachers of what you were saying, Frank. Like some of those points, like here we can talk about this, or you know, what could this mean if this character was like this, and how does that impact the allyship? Is that something that that you might do, or that you'll just leave it to the educators in their own space to to figure that one out? No, absolutely. I mean, in the back of the book, aside from the reader's guide that I wrote, we also kind of created questions that you mm -hmm. ask, ask a child before reading the book, during reading the book, and then mm -hmm. after reading the book. So those can foster even more discussion and more learning and more openness or, you know, concerns that any child might have in reading the book. I think that they might create things online through Jessica Kingsley, the publisher's website, to further kind of uh, resources for teachers and caregivers to use the book. So I think that that is really important for Kate and I to have, again, to foster more conversations about this topic and about other things that might arise as a result of our book. So I think that a good book should provoke you know, some thought and questioning and, but also entertain and affirm and teach and all those things. So I think that we, I hope that we covered all that in the book, you know, in the sense that we're doing all those yeah. things. I think um, another possible wonderful use of the book, if people want to, is that it is a book about a cookie sale. And if people wish to make their own pride and joy cookies and have a sale, whether it's at their school or on their street or in their community center or anywhere, um, then it kind of sets a nice precedent for that. And we have a great name for it, the Pride and Joy Cookie Sales. So if people want to jump on that and do it, um, we would be delighted. And who doesn't I love like cookies? Is, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Who doesn't love cookies? <laughs> I love that. 
When can people find your book um, on shelves? It's it arrives on shelves and you know online websites May eighteenth. So it's about almost a month away, which is I, I'm, we're super excited. That's we haven't, incredible. We haven't. We're not holding the book yet. We haven't got our advanced copies yet. So I'm like, oh, we can't wait to hold it and 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 you know all that fun stuff. One of my dreams was I've expressed to Kate and anyone listening, whether it be a school or an organization, is to really have pride and joy cookie sales. Certain organizations have spirit weeks and ally weeks. And I think that how awesome would that be to bring awareness? Everyone loves to come together over food, right? So like you have a cookie sale and it brings awareness about the community and about allyship. And to be honest with you, like I said, that I've talked to Kate about this extensively, how I wish that would come to fruition and just take legs and just, you know, just grow across the world. You know, every, every organization has sort of a symbol, right? Like whether it be, you know, there's poppies for the, the veterans and you know, certain things. I would love for, you know, these cookies to be a symbol and a, and a way of connecting and, and, and bringing awareness to the community. I, I think that would, that would just fill my heart. And uh, my I want to get both of your recipes then for your favorite cookies. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we do have a, a lovely thing for our book launch um, happening soon in New Jersey. We have a, there's a wonderful company called Two Girls and an Oven, which you can find on Instagram. And they are going to create for us some uh, pride and joy um, cookies. We're very excited. They're really lovely looking cookies. And of course, in that sense, they are going to be individually packaged and nut free so that we don't have to worry about, um, you know, the health of, uh, of children who want to eat them at our book launch, which is a yeah. big public space. But yeah, I think just any good basic sugar cookie recipe with rainbow stripes is going to do it. I think it would be easy and I think it'd be fun for people to do. Yeah. Nice. Well, we will watch out for your book. We would love a copy. And if you send us a couple copies, we can do a giveaway as well um, on an upcoming episode. Oh, yeah, I want to have a cookie sale. I think that's, you know what? I think that that's great. A pride and joy cookie sale. Yeah. Now we really we really appreciate the support. And, you know, even if it's one or two children that we could impact this book or a family, then, you know, we're trying to do our job, you know, because people don't write books to become millionaires. They write them because no. they feel very passionate about either the topic or just to send some sort of message. So Kate and I, that's very important to us to reach children as much as we can with this book. Well, thank you, Frank and Kate, so much for for joining Sid and I today. It was a great pleasure meeting you both, and then also to to hear about uh, the the story. And as Sid said, we're we're very excited to read it and have a copy of it in our hands, and also help spread the word. So, so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. It's thank been a real pleasure. Thank you both. I really thank you both. Me. It's been wonderful to meet you. That's all the time we have today, folks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hey Sis. The conversation doesn't have to stop here, though. If you would like to get in touch with us to ask us a question or share your story on a future episode, you can email us at connect at simplygoodform.com or visit us on our website at www.heysis.com. 